I had the glory of at age three or four, my, my cousin Jeff, who was a teenager, would sit there and just explain all sorts of schoolyard jokes to me. Yeah. So, there's this joke where a guy tells you, you have you ever tried a Hertz donut? And then you say, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no. And then he hits you and says, Hertz donut. That's how I learned about Hertz donut was my cousin Jeff telling me that. <laughs> he gave you like the game FAQ strategy guide yeah. to like all the schoolyard jokes. Reinforcements. I am the reinforcements. This is episode 266 of Insert Credit, a podcast with little more than a panel of video game experts, a list of questions, a horrible buzzer, and a dream. I'm Alex Jaffe, and a video game opinion I changed my mind about this year is tool-assisted speedruns. I used to believe that a speedrun had to be done in real time by a real person to be impressive, but I've come to appreciate them as an art in itself. Oh, interesting. Very good. So the, the prompt was... Something you changed your mind about this year. I don't change my mind. <laughs> my name is Frank Cifaldi, and uh, I'm going to ignore the prompt and uh, agree with uh, Jaffe that Tulsa's speedruns are their own uh, art form, and I think they are very distinct from uh, real-time speedruns, uh, although I really appreciate and enjoy when you watch a, a speedrun history video um, when there's a... Uh, Tass only strategy and then a human finally does it and it oh, and then yeah. suddenly like the next day 80 other people can do it too incredible overcome the machines mm-hmm john henryum yeah i'm tim rogers and uh I, don't know, I didn't really change my mind about anything this year i think I've, I've gotten to a point in my life where i just generally know what i think about stuff i've changed my mind plenty in the past though uh pleased to report it just it doesn't really happen so much anymore because it doesn't have to it's solidified yeah, you know, at the risk of becoming, you know, just like sliding downhill toward retirement age and uh, beginning once again to post on Facebook, you know, yeah. like at the, I mean, there that's, that's the risk one faces when one stops for a moment to reflect that no, their opinion has not changed uh, in the last year about anything meaningful. So I've always thought tool assisted speedruns were pretty neat. I don't know. So, well, I'm glad to join the club. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that, that they get abbreviated TAS, like so many unfortunate abbreviations and shortenings in the speedrunning community. Mm -hmm. Like they really just can't say the word strategy. Yeah. Am I watching a tool assisted speedrun of Batman or am I watching Batman the animated series? Good job. I just opened up Facebook for the first time in almost a year and I saw someone describing someone's shirt as a hoodie and it was just clearly a sweatshirt. So, uh, disinformation much? You know what I mean? Like, Lord, they're, they're not kidding. Sounds like you should change your opinion about going back to Facebook. Facebook is interesting. I kind of thought I had my finger on the pulse of all of the, uh, the, the ridiculous stuff people are saying, though. I just uh, saw a post by someone, I'm closing the tab now, expressing an opinion I didn't know anyone had about a, a celebrity. So that's hmm. interesting. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Someone called Guillermo del Toro a serial abuser and said that they are sickened that he continues to get away with the critical acclaim and stuff. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So I closed the tab. I'm like, let's, uh, let's, you know, I'm not going to have any fun left if I keep scrolling <laughs> down. So, <laughs> wow, that was a very good one-two punch. Oh, I love that hoodie. It's a sweatshirt. There's no hood on that.
And then the very next post was that Lord. Who knows what god darn secret of what god darn filthy dark alternate universe was contained in the third post. Well, I'm Brandon Sheffield. I don't think I really changed my mind about anything either. I mean, I, I, I decided whether to, uh, in hooking up my game consoles, whether I would hook the Wii up to a 16.9 television or a 4.3 television. That's not really a mind change, but it's a decision I made. <laughs> Whereas before I was unsure. Well, I think I think last we spoke on this show, the decision had not been made. That's right. So I guess I changed my mind about whether the decision had been made, and I've decided four three. It's on. It's on the. It's on the four three. You decided four three. So I mean, I wasn't going to say this last time, but I feel like sixteen nine is the mathematically correct choice because on four three, uh, you get a smaller screen when you watch sixteen nine, but on sixteen nine, you get. Uh, not a smaller screen when you when you watch four well, three. It's, it's, so it's technically a little. It just, it just kind of feels a little like... bit of cheating because the the actual Wii is on the four three CRT, but the Wii U, since it turns out there's space, will be attached to the HD TV. And so, if there is a game that requires sixteen nine specifically, then I will um, just bring it over there and play it on that instead. So. I mean, I guess that makes yeah. sense. Some might say that making a decision is changing your mind from no opinion to an opinion. Yeah, I might say that. I think it counts. It's the closest to counting of the three. Brandon, you're up ahead on this episode. Hooray! Tim, you got those 10 host points, but you've yet to cash them in. We're waiting on that. Oh, yeah. So we're going to do a regular old episode now. I'm going to ask you this. Who were the kings of the lost art of video game packaging? Oh, yeah, that one guy. That one guy who did all those uh, amazing shapes and yo he I, he visited our our library actually what's his name again well he goes by yo tell us about yo yeah he so yo design did a lot of the really interesting packaging for uh pc games so like the trapezoid prince of persia box is yeah. maybe his mm -hmm. most famous he did an inverse of that box for prince of persia 2 which is really interesting he did uh uh what specter Gabriel Knight had a weird one, too. Um, there's actually a, I believe, 100 copy print run of of, of, a, of an art book about his stuff uh, that we have here that is uh, really awesome. Are we saying that above all else, when it comes time to package a video game, what we prize as, as a, a committee here is uh, weird shapes? Well, I, that is Brandon's answer. That's Brandon's answer, not Weird mine. cardboard. I was just starting it off, <laughs> just saying that that guy is cool. Uh, yeah, that's a good start. It's a good start. My pick is actually 1980s electronic arts. Really? They, they had packaging that looked like a 45, right? It was like flat and square and with art that bled over the edge. And it was very um, artist forward. As in, like, the name of the game designer was the first thing on the package, and then there was really interesting art, and they were trying to make software look like albums, and I think they succeeded uh, admirably, and, and I like that there's, you know, you, you kind of lay all the EA stuff from that era, I don't know, on the floor or the table or whatever, and it just feels like there's a continuity to it, and there's sort of like a crate-digging look to it, and 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 some of them catch your eye, like, like Worms comes to example, is just... Being like, oh, what the heck is this? What is this weird concept album of a computer game? And I think it's great. So that that's my pick. I like continuity in like a small subset like that. You know what I mean? Like Konami's Silver Games on the NES or something like that. I like I like their oh yeah there being a a, a a sense of 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 cohesion in a small subset of things. I'm I'm gonna go the other direction and mm. say that I like the late era PC Engine game covers because where where is most platforms you've got like 
a dedicated place where the console logo has to be and there's like a strip that calls out what exactly it is and all that stuff like um like on the side of a Saturn game or on the top of a PlayStation 4 game or whatever in the late PC Engine CD era like 1993 to 1996 or whatever it was very wild westy and sometimes you would just have like a single image of a character and maybe it would have the PC Engine logo real small and those reminded me of Laserdisc covers. So I guess it, it's it's somewhat similar to Frank's answer, except that the cohesion is totally not there. You you could sometimes be forgiven for not realizing it was a video game by looking just at the cover, which I thought was neat and weird. Like if you look at the, the cover for the game Fiend Hunter, it just looks like, I don't know, it looks like an anime Laserdisc or something. So uh, I like that stuff quite a bit. And I feel like if we're talking about stuff that has been lost to package design, I, I think that kind of free form yeah. thing has been lost because these days you got like half the back of a PlayStation 5 game is taken up by terms and services and legal stuff. Yeah. So you got these tiny little screenshots, you maybe get one or two things to say and it it's just, it's, it's, the back of the box is not about showing you what the game is anymore. And, and that's definitely lost and sad. Is packaging over? Like we're seeing more and more of a shift to like just people getting digital no, there's games. All, there's all packaging isn't over because there's all kinds of, uh, limited editions. Boutique and, publishers of yeah. packaged limited editions and stuff. But I mean, I'm not saying so as a, as an anti-sentimentalist or anything though. Uh, the physical games are definitely the the deviant behavior for right now, right? Yeah, that's right. not controversial to say. It's definitely the weirdo thing. Maybe it shouldn't be, especially because uh, you know now you're seeing the god darn uh, streaming services removing uh, the the show Westworld was mm -hmm. canceled, which I find very funny because it it started out as complete trash and then it started making less and less sense and then eventually. I don't know. They had one season left and then they canceled it. And now HBO is removing it from HBO. Did they already remove it? It's like, it's not even on the streaming service anymore. Yeah, that's wild stuff. I saw a lot of horrible conversations on Twitter where someone was like, uh, somebody posted a honest question. Uh, in the days before streaming services, did you just get sad when a show got canceled? Did you complain? And I was like, I, I yeah. obsessively dug and this person was 16 years old, right? I was I was able to identify scrolling down their Twitter a little bit. And it's like, yeah, first of all, yes. And also uh, technology burns brain bridges, you know, like I, it's on this. I mean, HBO's Rome and Deadwood are still up on the HBO app and they got canceled in the middle of their runs. And if they threw Rome and Deadwood off there, I'd get sad. Not that I watch them every day. Anyway, <laughs> there's no physicals of these a lot of these shows that are getting canceled and removed from their streaming platforms. So maybe uh, maybe physical stuff should be more readily available of uh, media, but it is a currently de deviant behavior enabled by uh, uh, these... Uh, the, the deviance of the behavior is enabled by these sinister platform holders who uh, just uh, delight in the idea of removing a thing from existence. The, the positive take maybe on that is that we're maybe just right now in this awkward era of physical media basically doesn't exist anymore and mm -hmm. digital only stuff is just starting to disappear forever. And, you know, it, it might even itself out, you know, in a, in right. a year or two or something like that. Um, but yeah, certainly right now it's, 
you know, something that no one really built in any contingencies for, right? Is is a show going away literally forever. Yeah, but I mean that that's happened forever. Like I, I want to watch the show A Man Called Hawk, uh, but that doesn't exist anywhere because it was only on TV and the only way you can watch it is because some random people recorded it and posted like two forty res uh clips of it to to YouTube. And luckily piracy is much better and much easier now. <laughs> But uh, we're 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 definitely getting back to that era where the the pirates are the only people that are going to have the the stuff, yeah. the goods. Man called Hawk, Avery mm-hmm. Brooks. It's, it's the only other television show he hundred percent starred as the star in, aside from Deep Space Nine. You gotta gotta. Whoa, hundred percent star run, no skips. And this is why everybody needs to check out the Internet Archive to get all yeah. the PlayStation games, all the Saturn games, uh, and then you know just as the new games get up there. Just get them all. The only service better than Xbox Game Pass. Here's my next question. Which games make the weird controllers they were designed for worth using? Uh, the original Resident Evil. That ASCII Resident Evil pad is real good. Hmm. Does anybody know this one? Uh, I'm just mostly joking. I'm just saying it because I'm looking at it right now. It's like right on the table next oh, to I'm me. Oh, I'm seeing it, yeah. Have you seen it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 mean I, I mean, I really am. Are you looking at it now? Yeah, I am looking at it. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. Do you guys know this? I don't. Just here it is on eBay. You just get a nice picture of it. Just look at that picture. Um, it's it's got like a no. little pistol grip, and it's got the run button. Uh, uh, it's 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 basically a PlayStation controller, an original PlayStation pad taken apart and redesigned so that playing Resident Evil feels really good. Uh, it just takes all of the buttons of Resident Evil and puts them in an arrangement that feels right. The right side of the controller is a pistol grip mm-hmm. and there is a trigger under it which is the uh uh the shoot button right so or the the square button is on a trigger under your right hand on a pistol grip kind of just predating any controller that actually had a trigger so when the uh when the Wii came out i really thought this would be a thing that that there would be a ton of weird controllers that you just slotted the Wii remote into because that's where oh, all the yeah. expensive guts were. And mm-hmm. it just never really materialized. Like they did the guitar, they did uh, the train thing in, in Japan, right? Where you just slotted in the, the Wii remote. It's exactly what I had in mind was like, yeah, I had great. the stupid crossbow thing. Mm-hmm. I worked on a game that did it. I mean, we had such, such a surplus of corn in the world, in America. You know, and uh, that's what they were making all of that plastic out of. Oh, yeah. We should have had a million corn plastic attachments for those controllers, man. Man, should have had it. I worked on a game called Wicked Monsters Blast, which came with a uh, a light gun attachment that I do not have. But it was just, you know, it was so much of the crossbow thing. You just slotted into a... Uh... Oh, oh, you mean Wicked Monsters Blast, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, the, the Resident Evil 4 pad, that's not good. <laughs> No, but it, no, but it's a chainsaw. Oh, well, none of those th- those are those are gimmick For controllers, sure. not specialty right. controllers. Like the Onimusha uh, katana controller, that's all just gimmick trash. Well, there's there's gimmick trash that I really like, which is um, WarioWare Twisted. And yes, that's a controller. Come on, that cartridge is a controller. You tilt it around, you allow it, right? It's a very, very gimmicky thing made for a very, very gimmicky game. So it works for me. Like I, I, I enjoyed that game quite a bit once all the way through. Probably never play it again. But um, I thought that was I thought it was neat and, and unique and, and fun for a little while. I would not really want to play a different game with that. But, 
you know, as a specialty one-off controller, I thought that worked really effectively. I think the Nedgecon's pretty fun. Mm. Uh, the the the, the, the it's pronounced Nedgecon, uh, as in Nedjiru means to rotate yes. or twist, uh, and cone for yeah. controller. In case anybody didn't know that, I think a lot of I pronounced it Nedgecon in my video about Boku no Natsuyasumi, which has an extended segment about the Nedgecon for a very good reason. But I believe in the U.S. they called it the Nedgecon. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't like a – we don't know because there's no TV advertisement or anything for it. Uh, yeah. So, it's like I got a lot of people being like, why are you pronouncing it that way? And it's like, because uh, it's very clear that it's a capital G and uh, it's an edgy cone. Anyway, uh, that controller's fantastic. It's better than any analog yeah. stick in my opinion. It's pretty fun. Did any game ever justify the PlayStation Move? Sure. Um, there were a couple games that, that tried uh, – yeah, the uh, Johann Sebastian Jast is is the one uh, that justified the PlayStation Move. I guess people would oh, say because yeah. it was yeah. Johann Sebastian Jast just it it's just uh, I didn't love I mean, it. Not just not not to say it's a but it worked. It's a small feat, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the only feature of the PlayStation Move controller that Johann Sebastian Jast uses is the motion sensor, and it uses it in a very, very crude way. It's true. Which is, if there's motion, you lose, right? So, it's like, a, I'm not sure that it 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 didn't utilize the full feature yeah. set of I guess I wouldn't say it controller. justified it, but it, but it, at the very least, gave some people a reason to have Took advantage one. of it. It defended it slightly. Defended its existence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, I mean, the PlayStation Move was a better Wiimote, and there just weren't any good Wiimote games. Yeah. Uh, true. That let fully used the Wiimote either, except, you know, Wii Sports Resort using the Motion Plus was fantastic. Surprised nobody here's brought up the Justifier. Oh, I was going to bring up the, uh, the, the Stinger, the Saturn one. Well, the Justifier is the Konami, the Kon- is what they, the Konami light gun for the, uh, the Mega Drive is called. Um, yeah. In case anybody didn't know that. Okay. It's a, it's just a big old Magnum revolver for uh, lethal enforcers. Man, lethal enforcers kind of, uh, kind of owns. Did you ever play that? Yes. It's, it's, it's pretty good. But I was bringing up the Saturn one because it had those slots for putting batteries in so that you could you could change the weight of it and stuff. And I, I feel like that in itself is kind of a fun a fun game. Oh, yeah. Oh, we didn't get to talk about Steel Battalion, which was the obvious one. Okay. Does it take advantage of it, though? I think it's just a big joke control. No, it does. Well, I mean, this the, the, the deeper philosophies of this question involve uh, qualifying the game as actually good. Yeah. Uh, and actually complete and actually full, sure. you know. I mean, you start to get into does this game earn its own existence is the question with the Steel Battalion. And the answer is maybe not. Because um, <laughs> whenever it's brought up in conversation, what's what What does anybody say about Big it? Controller. Big controller. When you get into the, the full simulation of it, it, actually maybe it's more that the uh, the controller justifies the existence of a game for it or something like that. It's kind of the opposite way. It's like anytime you see people talking about arcade games on a Twitter thread, some some doofus will bring up like uh, like that Mech Warrior or that w- whatever that that uh, that big giant pod game was with the projection screen. Some some doofus will bring that up and be like the best arcade game ever. Oh, you're forgetting this. And it's like I, I know you just remember it because it's big. <laughs> no, I I am for I am forgetting this on purpose. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you you you're only remember seeing it in EGM guy. The thing is at Magfest every year. Oh um, yeah. Oh, so I have no, played that's... it in recent memory. Uh, that is a a capital B bad game. Mm. That's not a good game. It is a controller waiting for a game. Is what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. 
and uh we do we do have a lot of those i feel like the final word here wiimote and playstation move both are controllers that are still waiting for a killer app which may never arrive all right uh here's my next question number three so there's been a lot of talk for a long time now about the proliferation of father-son or father-daughter games. What yeah. other kinds of human relationships could we afford to explore more in video games? I think those are it. Oh, that's it. Yeah. What are you talking those about? Are the only ones. First of all, there are there are fewer uh, father games than you'd think. It's just it happens to be they're all AAA. Yeah, and there are fewer AAA games than there used to be, so it just feels like a lot. There were, there were fewer AAA games than there used to be, period, and the AAA games are hopelessly lost in a massive, massive swamp of equally interesting, if not better, uh, independent games and smaller games, right? So, um, you know, I, I feel like this whole de- derision of dad games and whatnot stems from this uh, continued inferiority complex of for example the independent developers whom i would like to empower by saying keep keep it up man just uh, you know those games are good i played a lot of real good indie games this year i don't know i don't need to sit around and compare them all to god of war ragnarok or the last of us part one or the last of us part two or the last of us remastered or the last of us you know that's the full the last of us series uh, three isn't it interesting the last of us is the only game uh a series with four entries uh three of which are the same, same game, game. <laughs> right it's, it's just like literally <laughs> the same game i think that kind of rules so like four of the dad games are actually just three uh <laughs> copies of one game and then another one so uncharted four you got you got brother you got brother that's that's another one yeah yeah brothers brothers you, you know what you know i i don't know if you're if you're being facetious here, but uh, the brotherhood in that game is actually very uh, thoroughly. It is it is thoroughly and literarily uh, explored in ways that involve do not not involve game mechanics. Uh, it's it's I don't know. It's nice. Uh, I think the brotherhood is an essential theme of that game. And they give you they give you a bonus dad at the end uh, of that game too. And not to spoil it for anybody, but uh, there's there's a dad sequence as well. I think there could be more games that uh, there's one video game I'm thinking of that I don't want to talk too much about because once I start, uh, it's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, there is a video game. Uh, if anybody in the in the, the listener hood knows this, uh, you know, just to keep it quiet. Um, <laughs> there's there's a game where you play as a dude, like a manly man, and you, you have a female best friend. Right. And at some point you meet another girl and your guy like likes her and then the your your female best friend just disappears from the story she just <laughs> says i'm gonna leave and she leaves and that's a very profound emotional moment in that game especially because it occurs dozens of hours in and uh your your fr- friend and traveling companion just says i'm gonna get out of here and if you're playing it as like a 16 year old boy mm. you're like well that's weird and then you look back at it a couple you know a decade later or so and you're like oh man you see the foreshadowing just uh, building up. It's like that's actually a very profoundly sketched little uh, d- dynamic in that particular game. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a cool thing. I'm saying Jerry and Elaine. That would be a good, uh, yeah, a good dynamic. Oh yeah, what, one of my favorites. Not a lot of sisters games. Sisters? Yeah, I mean, there, there's like basic. There's like the Gianna sisters or whatever. But there's no. There's no real. Not a lot of uh, investigation into the dynamic. So much. There's some, but not in the big. Oh yeah, in the big games. 
Um, I can think of a few in fighting games. There's the Fae Sisters in Phoenix Wright, but like, there's not really a lot of games about sisters. Yeah, that's, that's what true. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, there's not a whole lot of games about uh, uh, brothers in general, aside from the games that have the word brother in the title. Brothers in the title, but don't yeah. uh, yet don't actually really like. It's 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 hard to have this conversation with anybody, no matter how civilized, because even if you you know somebody's going to bring up Super Mario Brothers, and it's like that's not a game about brothers. That's a game that needed to be two players, right? Right. It's like uh, uh, whereas Brothers is uh, a game that uh, needed two characters for its concept, right? Tale of Two Sons. Um, and there are, I mean, basically you're asking what relationships should be explored in video games. I know basically all of them. Like, look at Seinfeld, for example. Uh, a man and his best friend, I uh, George. A man and his ex-girlfriend, Jerry and Elaine. A man and his neighbor who eats a lot of food from his house. You have every single relationship in that <laughs> game is yeah. underrepresent In that story, that sitcom is underrepresented in video games. And those are three absolutely basic things. I would say a man and his best friend is pretty well represented in games. Yeah, in what? Let's let's hear. What's a, what's a good game about a man and his uh, his male best friend that uh, that involves that mechanically? Like I'm not Final I'm not, Fantasy 15. Uh, that's true. There you go. That's the first. That's the only one that I had in my mind as actually mechanically involving all of that. Gears of War. Is it? That's a squad mate. That's a little different. Ah, uh, they're they're war. Yeah, war is weird. Uh, I believe the the old adage goes, "War is weird." Uh, that's from Tolstoy, actually. Um, it's uh, you know, the soldiers have a, have a different relationship. It can, they can be best friends after the war, but uh, few of them ever fully leave that's the right. war zone. Again, that's what Tolstoy said. The very the famous first yeah. lines of "War and Peace." Few soldiers ever fully leave the war zone. I know because I'm a man of peace. That's the first uh, first line of War and Peace. <laughs> it's not true. Uh, I was about to ask if you got that from Wikipedia. Let's revisit an old question that we had earmarked from last year. What's right. the worst flavor text you've seen in a video game? I feel like some of these, let's earmark this for later, are ones where we were like, I wish I could research this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So having not done that. Is Discord a, a video game because uh, links are spoopy? It still makes my skin crawl. Oh, it's they, they cut that out. They don't have it anymore. Yeah, they sure did. They took out the reticulating splines. They took out the wubble of a dub dub. There's, there's, I still see some yeah, stuff. Not, you don't have to. You don't have to quote them. It makes it worse. Do you? Yeah. Um. I don't know. Mine, mine doesn't say anything when I launch it, and that's how I like it. Mm -hmm. On my half laptop here, I'm looking at it on the browser. And so I'm getting a lot of uh, loading up messages, and so I still I don't see those ones, but I see I see things about like piling up the snowballs and stuff. I don't know. They're they're still trying to to do that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, they could and they might as well. Man, worst flavor text. I can only think of good ones like it's bread, which is a good one. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I guess yeah, the, the 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 flaw of this question, I guess, is that if it's bad, you don't remember it. I mean, if it was really, really bad, I might remember it. But also, I can't remember what I had for dinner uh, yesterday. So like, sounds like you got to just start eating the same thing every maybe night. I should. That way, if anybody ever puts, if you ever get caught in like a lie detector test, oh wait, I do know what I had. Puts you on a polygraph. I had Zach McKeon's pizza, Hesher's pizza. I oh, see. That's uh, 
It's it's just weird to me that people can forget eating something that they like specifically go to a place. We ordered it in. <laughs> like it's like we didn't go. It's we, it's weird to me when someone's like, I went out to dinner with my friend last night. It's like, oh, what'd you have? Uh, she had chicken. Uh, I don't remember what I ordered. It's like what? How can you not remember what you ordered? You know, I'm not talking about anybody here. I'm just no, saying we, we ordered it into the house, uh, and it, it came at an unusual time. So it was uh, that's why I couldn't remember for a minute. But anyway, flavor That's text. Heck if I know, man. I want. I got to research. Let's it. just try googling worst video game flavor text of all time. All right, let's go. Oh, ten worst flavor texts in Magic history. Oh no, it's all about Magic cards, <laughs> Netrunner cards. Oh, here we go. What is your favorite favorite in-game flavor text from Reset Era? I bet some of these are bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure some of them are bad. I mean, did you hear that that place is supposed to be called Reset Era? Oh, I know. Really? Yeah. I just. I don't. I don't <laughs> call it that. Where'd you hear uh, that? It was the guy who started it said it. Wow. He, he said it on okay. video and he's like, yes, it's pronounced Resetter. No. I don't know if this is flavor text, but um, Brownie Brown's Fantasy Life, the English localization, all of the text seems like bad flavor text. It's just there oh, not, yeah. not to help you play the game. It's there to show off the person's writing all the in time. A game that, about, yeah. In a game about chilling... All wouldn't all the story just be flavor, right? So I think that counts. Okay. If the all game right. is about chilling. So I think actually the true answer here is the worst video game flavor text of all time is all the lore text in Elden Ring because it got nominated for best narrative uh, because of that. Uh, that's not a video game. That's reading, as I saw <laughs> in one tweet say. So that would probably be that caused an enormous, enormous, enormous uh, 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 Twitter apocalypse because it was nominated for best narrative. First of all, narratives everywhere in that game. I've talked about this uh, talk last yeah. time, I believe I brought this up. Narratives everywhere in that game. Just chill with it. And also, uh, it is actually fun to read the descriptions of some of the items. You don't have to sit there and do it all day. But sometimes you pop your menu open and you've been wearing a particular helmet for a couple of hours and you're like, I wonder what the description says of this helmet. And you read it and it says something weird and you're like, oh, that's weird. And then five hours later, you're still wearing that helmet and you remember the flavor text and you go, oh, that's, you know, that's all it takes, really. You know, you don't have to write a New Yorker article about it. You know, it's just it's fine. Thank you. I don't know about El Denring. But I know a lot of the books in Elder Scrolls are pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll pick one up and feel like I have to read through it out of obligation. But, like, why am I doing this? I love that Elden Ring starts with the same four letters as Elder Scrolls, as though they asked uh, George R.R. R. Martin to, like, name. I wonder, first of all, I'm assuming this. I'm assuming George R.R. R. Martin, like, named their game for them. Um, and he just was unaware of elder scrolls and just called yeah. his game elden ring because uh, i remember people comparing it to elder scrolls when it was first announced very funny they're like oh, it sounds too much like elder scrolls and then also uh, tom cruise released two movies basically in a row not in a row uh called oblivion and fallout uh which is very funny because <laughs> it shows that tom cruise's producers are ignorant of fallout and uh elder scrolls i find that very fun to know that bethesda is just getting clowned on by the giants of greater media uh get owned bethesda good luck i've got one more question for you before the break uh deadline <sighs> just announced that a live action death stranding film is in the works yeah who should play sam porter bridges 
<laughs> Guillermo del Toro. Wait, no, not Guillermo del Toro because of his history of abuse. I forget. <laughs> okay, so first of all, when the original Death Stranding was announced, and I saw Norman Reedus's face, and people were screaming. People on Twitter were like, "Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus!" Right? Um, and I was like, "What?" And then when I got a better look at his face, it's like, is that that guy from Boondock Saints? Nice. Right? Yeah. And uh, I didn't know anything about The Walking Dead TV show. Um, however, I watched some of it, ironically, while sick with the coronavirus, the actual, the, the literal coronavirus, uh, the real one, uh, the first time I had it, you know, not, not the second or third time. If there was, I don't think there was a third time. There was a second. And I mean, I watched the first season of that show and it kind of, you know, it's whatever, right? However, that Norman Reedus is real good, I would say. So, um, Amazon also just announced uh, a a God of War show, right? And everyone is saying they want uh, the voice actor of Kratos to play Kratos. And it's like, all right. Uh, and then it's like, I'm reading down the, the fantasy casting in the thread. And it's like, and also the voice actor of this character should play this character. And also the voice actor of this character should play this character. Don't forget the voice actor of this character could play this character. And I'm like, ah, man, uh, everyone is going to be mad for different reasons <laughs> when that show comes out. Um However, in the case of Death Stranding, uh, it does seem a little more cut and dry. Yeah, a yeah, little well, bit. It, I mean, you know who I who I always want to play in a movie when there's a role to be filled, and it's a and it's Christopher it's Lambert. Christopher Lambert. So I, I feel like that's who should old play. Gray Stoke himself. That's right. He should <laughs> he should play Norman Reedus. Uh, yeah, as as we're recording this, I believe today. Um, um, Superman was just decast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He sure oh my was. God, that's what they mean by by DC is decast. That's what yeah, it stands for. Decast, decast. Yeah, Superman was decast. So, what are we going to get? Henry Cavill as Sam Porter Bridges. Yeah, he left yeah. The Witcher to come back as Superman, and now I actually read on Twitter he didn't leave The Witcher uh, because of Superman. He left The Witcher because he was sick of the writers' woke agenda. Oh, I saw like a hundred <laughs> tweets to that tune earlier today. Yeah, I dipped into oh. Twitter and I was like, I was CSW's. like, oh, so it's like, I don't even know if I'm going to watch uh, seasons two and three of The Witcher now. That's a joke. Of course I will. I've only seen part of season one while sick you with love the, literal, the woke agenda. You literal it. coronavirus. Oh. Yeah, the woke agenda is hilarious, dude. Are you, are you kidding? It rules. One of the top I'm, I'm actually loving it. I'm slopping it up. I got my bib on and everything. I'm eating it like a meatball sandwich. You've got a smoke agenda with the woke agenda. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I got a great, and Brandon's got a gray stoke agenda. That's right. You know it. Man, who, whomst among us has not seen gray stoke, the legend of Tarzan? What a film, dude. I'll put it on my list. Oh, really? It's on HBO. Oh, um, cool. I actually just watched it on HBO last week. Uh, I for remember now. Brandon Sheffield. I unfortunately remembered Brandon Sheffield for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> While watching it, I was like, that's Brandon Sheffield's kid there. That's right. <laughs> this is what I was saying. He's my kid and my dad. <laughs> Young Lambert. Yeah. Uh, playing the heck out of Tarzan. Yeah. In that he movie. Tarzan did The movie's renowned for, ne- renowned for never having the word Tarzan spoken once uh, in the film. Interestingly, it was doing defamiliarization before every 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 alt lit icon of the, of the 90s was was uh, was waving that word around like a 
a god darn Iwo Jima flag, you know. I was trying to watch the the movie Subway on on my Laserdisc player mm-hmm. last night, starring Christopher Lambert. But um, I found out that my my god darn Laserdisc player has a has a bum uh, drive belt, and so I'm gonna get it replaced. God my Laserdisc player's got a hole in it. That's right. That's what you should have said. I should have. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> There's a snake in my laser disc player. <laughs> Could have said that as well. Heckfire. Yeah, tarnation. No, oh, how would how would how would Christopher Lambert lament uh the failure of his laser disc player? My laser disc uh, player. <laughs> I think it, it would go a little something yeah. like oh, I this. Guess. <laughs> yeah, but he would definitely get a <laughs> laugh in there for sure. There's, there's a, you know, okay. I'm gonna tell you my my deepest Christopher Lambert uh, a, a deep fake fantasy Let's here. Do it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a scene in the show The Young Pope. First of all, I received a message from a young man uh, just a couple weeks ago the Pope? who told me that he wa- he watched The Young Pope oh. based on my recommendation, despite his entering it arms akimbo, assuming he would dislike it. And he uh, he said he had just a true, uh, a beautiful time watching it. So great show! Shouting shouting that kid out. Um, uh, that's number one. There's a scene in the Young Pope where uh, where Jude Law, s- <laughs> where Jude Law says to a guy, I'm "Not going to tell you where uh, it occurs in the story." Where Jude Law as Lenny Bellardo, uh, Pope Pius the Tenth, uh, he says. Well, once Lenny Bellardo, now he's Pope Pius X, and he is the Pope, first of all. He says to another guy, he says, they chose a Pope they didn't know, and now they are beginning to understand who I am. And anyway, uh, first of all, Brandon, if you like dialogue like that, check out the young Pope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he says, they chose a Pope they didn't know, and now they are beginning to understand who I am. First of all, they chose a pope they didn't know. Incredible sentence. First time I I saw that scene, I for some reason played it back in my head. Camera angle, facial expression, vocal rhythm, cadence and everything. Played it back in my head as Christopher Lambert delivering that line. Yeah. And I had a real good time. Like just suddenly it just uh, yeah, he'll worm his way in there. That's ma- that's basically the main reason why I have uh recommended The Young Pope in the past to Brandon Sheffield is because you can easily imagine Christopher Lambert in the role. I'm sold. And uh, it is Ju- it is Jude Law at his most Christopher Lambert-esque. Great. One pope. might even say he transambert's the Lambert. <laughs> so That's, it's one uh, might. Sounds... A, 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 it is it is it is Lambertian transcendentalism. And yes, uh, so, I know it's pronounced Lambert. Okay. Yeah, we all know. It's something new to noodle on while we take a quick break. I'm just I'm letting I'm let I'm letting the listener know. Otherwise, I becomst a uh, receptacle of uh, uh, people's scholastic passive aggressivism. Uh, should I not point out? Oh, I actually know right. uh, this. One best not lambaste the Lambert. Nobody can like take your word for it that you know about something. Yeah, you got to make sure. Yeah. They ch- the only thing I don't know about is the Pope and the young Pope. Because uh, they chose a pope know, they, they didn't know. They chose a pope they didn't pope know. They didn't know. But I got good news. Uh, now they're beginning to understand who I am. That's right. Welcome back 
to the insert credit show. This is usually where we put the dirt bag, but I've decided to put that later. Uh, so now I've got to ask you one of my own questions. Here's a Jaffe original, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a question about questions. What questions would you put on a written exam in a game design class? Oh, geez. Oh, no. The, the written portion, right? Yes. So like the essay part? Right. Man, I, this, this is super basic, but I might be... I might go I mean, with some choice. some some like Super Mario Bros. Mario facing right, doing his jumps kind of thing. Like like break down the first screen of Super Mario Brothers, something like that. Yeah, that's that. a classic. Yeah, uh, it's too basic, but it, we're talking about basic. We're talking about college. Uh, I believe that's like a fifteen minute yeah. chunk of like the first lecture of any game design class, mm -hmm. right? So that's aren't exams usually uh, isn't there a, a regurgitation component yes. oh yeah. it's been a while since anyone attempted to school me about anything so i don't know if <laughs> and I you don't know, know except for pronunciations speak, of words speak too authentically no they don't no people don't try to school me they uh they just tell me that they think i'm wrong and then they walk away it's very interesting this would be hard to do in a, in this amount of time but design a good 3d sonic game and and explain your answers like what how is this sonic what are the tenets of sonic how does this work in 3d how does it um, maintain the things that are important about sonic that would be a mm -hmm. it's an interesting exercise because sonic team has been trying to figure that exercise out for themselves for quite some time and uh, coming up with different but similar answers so clearly there's space to explore i've i've seriously considered uh, questions like this in the past for a couple of reasons because uh, i've i've been asked to give you know no big deal asked to give lectures about design and stuff um and i even have in a couple of places lectures however are not exams so however you do need to when uh composing and outlining a lecture you do need to consider uh, how will the audience be uh, involved here, right? Um, you know, how will they participate? They don't have to participate out loud. They can participate in their heads, right? So that sort of thing would be like, uh, if I were doing any kind of exam, I would just want to know how people are feeling about stuff. So I would ask a question like, uh, what's the what would you change about the most recent video game you played? Yeah, it's got to be something more like that than design a Sonic game in words go. You yeah, know? like it, it's got to be more specific. Yeah, and what would you change about the last video game you played? Yeah, exactly. I was about to say it should be a critique, right? Like, yeah, it, it should be critiquing something. So um, I actually really like that answer, Tim. Like I was going to say, like, uh, show a, a game and then have them critique it or something like that. But I think the last game you played critique it from a design perspective. What would you change? I think that's it. Yeah, I, I believe critique is uh not the foundation, uh, though definitely uh, a, a good component of the foundation of uh, building toward a practical understanding of design. So, yeah, something critical. Be critical. Yeah, I guess I was kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel because I was uh, being, um, I don't know, maybe a little cynical accidentally. Uh, <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> have you ever... Have you have you ever been asked to give a lecture about game design, Brandon, at a, at a university? Not at a university, uh, no. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, so, like, I think it's it's also, I, I think this sort of question is good um, because what would you change doesn't necessarily mean say something bad about the game. Uh, when we talk about critique or being critical, we, you know, it kind of uh, trips a lot of people into thinking that you're asking them to say something negative, right? Whereas what would you change could be like, how would you make it your own? How would you 
what what would you like to what aspect of this would you like to explore uh, i'm not sure how to explain this this or phrase it as a question but i often find that people don't really know how to talk about what they like and so this being an exam one of the things that i would have been talking about with them the whole time would be like how to discern what their own taste is and how to how to show that case uh, showcase that taste to other people and uh, i would definitely want to have some kind of a question that is about uh dis- how how to describe your unique perspective and um how that would resonate with or how it would be demonstrated in a video game in a, uh, based on their specific interests and tastes but i don't know how to phrase that precisely it might have to be a series mm-hmm. but i feel like that's something that people uh don't get enough of in their game development schooling is a development and cultivation of their own taste and and their own sense of what they like and what they don't and why they like it and why they don't uh here's my next question uh what would you change about the last video game you played (laughs) (laughs) oh man i mean i'm i'm playing yakuza kiwami right now um that's rough oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> well let's let's do yakuza kiwami what would we change okay. uh in yakuza uh and let's just say the yakuza series i'm gonna say what i would change in the 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 new yakuza series i've been playing dragon quest treasures lately and it's a wonderful little video game brandon uh, this may interest you um it is by developed by none other than take a guess Oh, is it? You've got to know this off the top of your head, what Brandon. Is it, Tose? Yeah, it's Tose because they made Dragon Quest monsters, yeah. right? So uh, they're they're you know one of the Dragon Quest uh, legendary B teams yeah. uh, for the Dragon Quest series. Uh, Tose um, made this Dragon Quest Treasures, and it is the most uh, the most inscrutable video game. And, like I spent the whole first two hours on a live stream playing the game, just continually saying in a way trying not to sound snippy, saying it, it, this this smarter person's variant of who is this for i kept saying i don't understand what kind of game this is like i don't like i don't understand the elevator pitch the elevator pitch obviously uses the the two words dragon quest right and then lets everything else just kind of follow from there but anyway you collect monsters in this game it is a dragon quest monsters but it's also a dragon quest mystery dungeon but it's also uh, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Odyssey-like with some random stuff. It has a neat core loop. It's actually a very fun game to just sit back and smoke, uh, to sip, you know, uh, on a Sunday afternoon where it's uh, where it's raining outside. It's 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 a fun game for that sort of thing. Not so much a fun game to play the story-heavy first hour of on a live stream. Anyway, the combat in that is what I kind of wish the combat in uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon was, where your monsters are just fighting in real time and you just choose which monsters come with you in battle and the battles are just beautifully breezy and uh, very simple action battles and they're just kind of dynamic lots of stuff fighting so that's what i would change about the uh i know the new yakuza yakuza 8 is going to be turn-based combat again right yep is it yep do we know this we do yeah oh i didn't i didn't know we knew that okay is it is it a like a dragon sequel or is it yes oh yeah so they they have okay. said that the main yakuza series is now turn-based and that the judgment series is the is like original yakuza style okay got it and they've also renamed the yakuza series like a dragon which uh uh, our good friend uh scott strikehart the uh the the lead of localization over there uh ever since yakuza zero was striving 
to get them to change the name of the series to Like a Dragon as early as Yakuza 0, right? And uh, he finally did it on his way out. So, as he as he left the door of that series, he managed to get it changed. So, let's give him a big round. Uh, Thank you. I saw some bad tweets when they announced that Like a Dragon Ishin, which is a, sort of a Shin Sengumi kind of story, right? Um, it's not about the Yakuza. I saw somebody be like, I don't understand why they would abandon the Yakuza name for something like this. And then someone was like, well, they're not Yakuza. They're, they're actually samurais in this story. Uh, so it doesn't make sense to call it Yakuza. You still don't abandon your trademark. It's your IP. I remember getting really sad. And then I realized that guy was like 14. So I would either remove or improve the idea of weapons in the game because they are, uh, they're, useless to the point of why did why is there why are there multiple systems that surround them like they mm -hmm. they break really fast they aren't that much more useful than using your fists they aren't particularly interesting mm -hmm. uh and they fill up your whole inventory so like what yes. what are they for so i would i would definitely be working on something to change that system or remove it uh i really think the dragon quest treasures approach to equipping some monsters because you can have three monsters with you when you go out into the field and dragon quest has you know dozens like hundreds of different monster types type. yeah yeah and you just choose them and then it's just breezy real-time action combat oh, where you can kind of get your dudes beat up and killed if you pick like monsters that are slightly not the correct affinity for the area like the continent you're going to or the uh you know the the elemental affinities of enemies generally in a particular dungeon or location in that area so you've got to like pick who's going with you on what mission and all your monsters have little names and little personalities i feel like if the yakuza party members were more like that just which buddies are you going to take with you to this place and then you get to just watch them you know watch them just speak their little dialogue quips and uh i mean i hate to say make it not turn-based because they clearly they, they they poured a lot of soul into the idea of making it turn-based so it's like oh uh, uh, yeah i mean i think i think it was a mistake personally that or or they need to really fix the turn-basedness of the like a dragon because it didn't go very well but uh i i just had to add that if they do want to to go that direction you're talking about, Tim, the the whole uh, tower that they did where you have to fight a gauntlet of enemies and they all have elements and uh -huh. all the different stuff, like that's the only part of the battles in like a dragon where you that's gotta interesting. pick and choose your dudes. Yeah, and where it actually. Yeah. And I read a lot of responses from people saying that that area was like really difficult, and even the guides were like, "This place." Because they difficult. were not they were not adequately trained by the game proper yeah. to associate every encounter with uh the pre-planning yep right whereas so the, the way it would work better and sublimely and i just believe i i, I mean i always have but i believe this for a long time and i still believe it now the answer to almost all of the riddles of game design lurks in somewhere in the dragon quest series um in, in this dragon quest treasures dragon quest is always just about hanging out right and the monsters you choose to take with you affects the flavor of the hangout Right. Mm -hmm. And I think Yakuza could kind of ponder, could meditate on the phrase flavor of the hangout a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like, how do you want to affect the flavor of the hangout? Instead of challenge, it should be more about what flavor is the hangout. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that Yakuza uh, 7, like a dragon, when it tries to get hard, I think it uh, 
it kind of flounders there. Well, I mean, I, I actually thought that, that that segment was the the more interesting part, and people thought it was difficult because they hadn't, oh, sure, they hadn't sure. been prepped for it. But like, it was the only time where it made sense to equip certain for things the game and, to be a turn based. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it it, it flounders in so much as that people. Uh, you know, it, it got, uh, in the focus testing sense. Yeah. Yeah. People didn't get it. I think they need to just, uh, boil down the flavor a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Let it simmer a little bit more. I don't know. Make it a nice caramel. Thank you. Thank you. Here's my next question. Uh, how would you describe your unique perspective and how would you demonstrate that in a video game? <laughs> well, what does that mean? A unique perspective? That, that, that was my question from our pre, from two questions ago oh See, that's okay. what's going on well I'll, i can i can start it out i mean it's it is of course difficult it's difficult to describe and it's hard to make a question about it but i think that uh if you take an amalgam of things you like then uh and weave them together in in a clever way then you will have something that feels familiar but different to people so like in demon school for example we take influence from multiple things that i enjoy like tactics games like uh italian horror films like japanese rpgs japanese horror manga but also uh north european landscapes and if you put all those disparate things together but in a way that is filtered by specific taste then you wind up with something that feels cohesive and also uh yeah familiar but different but you can't just have like slap genres together you have to have reasons to do it and reasons that they actually are thematically similar. Like, for example, with this game, when you've got a horror movie and you look at uh, like a weird horrific effect and it's done with practical effects, you look at it and you're like, how did they do that? Uh, it, it, it doesn't fully take you out of the movie, but it makes you know that it's not real while also thinking about the craft of making it look real. And um, I feel like Saturn games do that as well when they are trying to, you know, work with a very difficult system and they'll do like dithering on transparency and, and you'll be like, how, how did they do that? Why did they do that? They had to do that because of this. And it kind of makes you think about the work. You can see the work. And so I think that that for me, being able to show the work and make players see the work without having to really grind their gears on it is a perspective that if you thread through a whole game will will give people a uh, a stronger connection to it. I don't know if that makes sense. Makes enough sense. I don't want to answer this question. You're allowed. <laughs> Frank, you failed my class. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, you're going to have to take gym or something this semester. <laughs> Tim, I imagine you also want to pass Wait, my unique perspective? Yeah, your unique perspective. And how would you demonstrate that in a video game? That's the professor's question. I mean, question. you have done it. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of times. Your, uh, I think your unique mechanical uh, perspective is in video games. Yeah, I got sure. that in there somewhere. That's a, that's, that's a part of it. My perspective is a little too, uh, a little too big. Uh, how would I, what is my unique perspective? How would I um, express it in a video game? I leave that for the video game critics of the year uh, 2028 or so to decide. Thank you. I've decided part of my uh, elderly wisdom as I get on in years is realizing I don't have a unique perspective. I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true. My not unique perspective is that everybody has a unique perspective. It's just a a collection of facts. You got to overlap a lot of facts and then you'll determine uh, 
what that perspective is. Yeah. There are things that people would come to you to ask about, and they wouldn't come to somebody else to ask about that. Is that expertise or perspective? It's a little it's of perspect- both. It's perspective expertise. Yeah, pers- perspective. <laughs> perspective. <laughs> perspexpertise. Perspexpertise. I, I didn't know perspexpertise. I had any of that. Your, your perspective is a, is a prism, not a, not a lens. You know what I mean? There's, a, there's, there's many facets to how stuff filters through your perspective. Yeah. It doesn't just pop out and, you know, show up on a projection screen. That's why all three of us are on here, because one, one input comes in and then multiple outputs come out, because we all have a, a prism to, to refract the That's answer. beautiful, Brandon. That's part of it. Although I did also receive an email from Twitch yesterday about uh, my, my year-end wrap-up uh, for my metrics, and uh, the numbers were really big, so I don't know if necessarily multiple, <laughs> multiple perspectives... Uh, <laughs> equals a better product. I didn't say better. That's all I'm saying <laughs> about that. I'm just somebody was thinking it. Somebody was thinking it in the audience. I'm just letting them know. Okay. I'm cutting them off. So much of my life is just uh, knowing exactly what one guy in the audience is going to say to me three seconds later. Uh, so I've got to cut him off before he can think it. You know, that's that's the game now. I'm kind of it's uh, that's that's the the horror of the infinite perspectives. You know. Uh, it's just, it's out there. Once you start saying everybody's got their own prism. I got one more question before the lightning round. How would you break down the first screen of Super Mario Brothers? <laughs> Darn it. Did uh, you just not write any questions this week? Like, is that the thing? I, I anticipated this was the joke, uh, cause it was a, a question and then three more and then the dirt bag is the last question. I just, I kind of figured this was going to happen. It's that anticipation again. It's been done to death. Dude. Yeah, so what can we do that's funny? So there are plenty of places you can go on the internet, listener, to uh, watch people very thoroughly break down the first, uh, it's not really the first screen of Super Mario Brothers, but it's the first, uh, I would say from the title screen like area to jumping, jumping over the first pipe, you know? Uh, there's places you can go. Uh, it's breaking down that moment where, where you, the player, jump over that first pipe. That's your first, uh, that would be your first jump. Well, I think your first vo- jump is supposed to be the Goomba is coming toward you and you realize you have to do something. Yeah, you have to do something to avoid the Goomba because you'll die if you don't. The, the jumping over the first pipe is your first jump, uh, full of joy. Right. It's your first joyful jump, right? So it's, it's the first, uh, voluntary jump that is mandatory but feels like a choice so it's it's an interesting moment to uh enjoy a jump instead of you imagine a kid sweating bullets yeah uh, bricules trash can uh sitting there yelling at his dad jerry you know because he can't get over the goomba Goomba's bearing down on uh, a kid sweating bullets it's it's not a joyful jump it's a it's a you know it's a fearful jump it's a jump of terror you know a leap of faith Oh, what's 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 scarier than faith? Am I right? The, the unknown, the divine, That's right. right? So it's it's a bad jump that one. Anyway, so uh, uh, here here's a question then. What is uh what's another uh, uh two screen uh to a twelve second segment of video game that should should be at this point as as in the chair moving in Citizen Kane be discussed somewhat at nauseum by uh people when it comes time to pick apart video game design. What's something aside from beginning of super mario brothers what's another elemental archetypal example of dissection worthy design uh, uh, owing to the uh, the discussion the 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 related discussion that shigeru miyamoto says to always design your last level first or your first level last right mm-hmm. you know so o- owing to that like what's another what's another wisdom packed 12 second 
segment of video game, assuming it takes 12 seconds for a Nimrod yeah. to well, uh, here's one, get past that first game. Here's one I've, di- I've discussed on the show before, but uh, Ninja Gaiden Black, you start out in a, in a valley with um, water flowing past you, mm-hmm. and so it lets you know that if you turn around, there might be something there and there's like a treasure behind you. And you're in a valley and you're kind of, you can only see forward and you're sort of encouraged potentially to jump. And if you do that, you will, you can see that you can wall jump because you're in a valley and it's likely that you will hit the walls. Uh, I feel like that is an interesting first 12 seconds for a 3D game that kind of uh, encourages mm. you to think about and interact with your world a little bit. That's that's one. Also Pac-Man. Very good. That well, calls to mind the courtyard in Super Mario 64. Yeah, except uh, that is your your eyes are being drawn to the castle gate so much. I don't know if this is cheating, but like I just can't stop thinking about Pac-Man with this conversation because yeah, it's like, it, yeah, but you know, it's, I don't know. Like it, it's all the, that are on the table. Yeah, it forces right? you to like, move. Uh, you got the the. Pellets. It has the big, the bigger pellet that's that's telling you come eat this. There's immediate visual and audio feedback Please as soon as you eat, eat the big thing. Yeah, all the enemies <laughs> yeah. change color and change direction, and it's like oh. Well, they don't just change color and direction. They start frowning. Yeah, yeah. Which immediately tells you that they're in trouble now. That's right. Like I, I, hunters become the hunted face. <laughs> Very I, nice. I think I think that's I think that's my answer, yeah. even though it was Brandon's answer. Pac-Man, I like it. Pac-Man, heck of a thing, heck of a thing. You know, I encounter some uh, every once in a while where I go, "Ooh, that's a nice little a little tidbit." My brain is just too full of game tidbits at this point to uh, really. I was playing. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it's like uh, it, none of them is really. So the, the weird thing is, like I said, burstulous of tidbit. You know. Just a completely burstulous of tidbit I am these days when it comes to video games, where it's like none of them really feels like an archetype anymore. I feel like I've played too much. I've sampled too wide, you know? I was playing god darn Tengai Makyo Fuun Kabuki Den the other day, and I had a little moment where I was like, ooh, that's a nice little little taste of RPG. And then I was like, how different is this really from that little taste I got playing Eldergate? At that one moment, right? And it's like, oh, I've sampled too wide. I would make an ill professor, I would say, even though I'm, I'm told. I'm sure you'd break it down. You could just choose one because you could, you, all you got to do is like <sighs> yeah. choose to talk about uh, Kabuki Den for a Choose second. to talk about just one. Clearly, clearly you ain't experienced one of my <laughs> no, nightmare. I'm aware. Uh, one of my nightmare <laughs> slide shows. <I'm> aware. <laughs> that I That I perpetrate onto the populace. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say that I I I dropped into the Discord chat. I I was I was I I opened up an Amazon tab because I I remembered I wanted something and I figured if I order it before six p.m. it has a good shot at arriving tomorrow morning. Um, because you know I needed a new supplement, so I went to Amazon. <laughs> oh, I went talking to, about I, worst flavor text. I went to Amazon. Yeah, this is and I had a very good example of bad flavor text. You can all see it in the main general Discord channel. Oh, ew. It's an image of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. First of all, the rings, the rings. You know? Uh <laughs> it'll love it, right? Double the rings, double the fun. Am I right? Uh so it's an image of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. It was like on an Amazon, you know, screen spanning banner ad. I haven't seen the show because I I'm supposed to rewatch the whole, all of the Lord of the Rings films at some point in the future, and uh, then I will watch this show. Yeah. Uh, I'm told it's it's it, it's bursting with woke agenda, 
So, you know, that's a little, uh, my mom likes uh, it. That's actually, I mean, my, in my opinion, nice. you know, give me that woke agenda. I got my woke agenda bib on. Probably not. It probably just has a girl in it. Uh, you know, so, um, I mean, that's probably all there is to it. It's just, it's got a girl in it. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> look out. So anyway, uh, the Amazon app says, uh, uh, it's, it, oh, no. I guess it's an advertisement for prime video. It says this holiday season binge something epic. The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Prime Video. This holiday season, binge something epic. Holy Lord. Incredibly bad flavor text. It's bad. It's bad, but I think it's effective. I'm sure I it think works. there is. It gets yeah, right it's, to it. it. Like, right? It's like, that's exactly what some people are looking for right now. Some people are like, I want to binge something epic. As much as I hate this text, I actually think it's pretty good, Mark. I was in my parents' house a couple Christmases ago, and I turn on the telly on Christmas Day, and Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, is about 11 minutes and 18 seconds in. Uh, I have the first uh, 20 minutes or so memorized. Uh, it was about 11 minutes, 18 seconds in. I go, oh, yeah. And I just sat where I was and continued watching it with all the motion smoothing. You know, I binged something <laughs> epic. Uh, like I binged it in the sloppiest manner possible. So, you know, they got, I, they're getting me with this. I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll watch that Witcher show on Christmas. Maybe I'll do I that. I will just say I do some writing for the DC Comics website and part of our style guide is that we're never supposed to use the word binge. Uh, and that's something that's kind of a note I appreciate. Do, do they encourage epic? There's no official opinion on epic. Well, DC Comics is uh, definitely more epic in general than Marvel, yeah. for example. So, sure, I feel like you should be allowed to use that. Yeah. Then again, the word epic has been burnished into unremarkability by overuse. So, who knows, right? I use it sparingly. It's time for the lightning round. Uh, this lightning round comes from the dirt bag. Uh, every so often, I will get a lightning round suggestion in the dirt bag, and I decided to pick one out this week. This is this is Pokemon related because lightning beats dirt, right? Dirt beats lightning. Dirt beats lightning. That's correct. I just want to say I played that new Pokemon as well, Dragon Quest Treasures. That they should make a Pokemon that's like Dragon Quest Treasures. Thank you. Every week, I take a question submitted to us from Patreon.com/slash/insertcredit, where you can subscribe for mere dollars a month to get monthly bonus episodes special surprises, and this very form where you can ask questions like this. This lightning round comes from Yeso, and I am proposing a title for this game. I'm calling it The Price's Sprite. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Here's okay. the rules. I'm going to name an item, the game that item is available in, and the denomination of currency in that game, and based on that information, you have to guess how much it costs. Uh, closest without going over wins. Okay. okay. Your first item is mm -hmm. a bag of potato chips from Shenmue 2. Mm -hmm. Denomination mm -hmm. is Hong Kong dollars. HKD. 2.5 HKD. 20 Hong Kong dollars. I don't want to do the conversion, whatever the equivalent of $5 is. Uh, Frank, you have to do the yeah, conversion. Yes, it's part of the game. Because it's 1992. Wow. Okay, let's just pause the show here. Okay. okay you have to do it show. in your head. I, yeah. I don't know what it is. I have no you idea. Guess. Well, you got to make a guess. Around, it's part around of the 10 game. cents in the in the 80s, 90s, it would have been around seven, eight cents. I'm not. I'm no expert. I'm, I'm not from Hong Kong. Just guess, Frank. Dollars is uh, uh, okay. Uh, Thirty-eight. Brandon is correct. It was eight Hong Kong dollars. Nice. Okay. Uh, Twenty. Same thing. Uh, your next item is an illusion mirror in East Three 
and the denomination is gold pieces. God. Um, the illusion mirror is... Okay, I, I believe that's a shield. I'm just going to go with a shield. I literally played this last year. <laughs> and I'm going to go 500 gold. Dude, the illusion mirror. I think illusion mirror is 100 gold. 100 gold. No, no. It's about 1,200. Uh, Frank is exactly right. It's 500 Son gold. Son of a heck. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, your next I item. I believe you guys didn't know that. <laughs> it's embarrassing that I uh, have very recently played this game. Why would you? Why would you recall? Like all you know is whether you have enough and you need to get more, right? Like why would you know more well, than there, that? Well, there there are very few items in the game, and so you have you like okay. you keep being like, all right, do I have enough for this yet? Uh, These has that thing where you just kind of have to buy stuff. As opposed right, to like, hunt for and treasure chests, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like they just, they, the first East, renowned Italy, just has a whole bunch of stuff in the first town that you just perfunctorily have to purchase. Uh, your next item is a 1997 Chevy Camaro SS in Gran Turismo 2. The denomination is credits. Man, I didn't play enough Gran Turismo oh, to man. know how much things cost in credits. <sighs> 2,500 credits. I'm going to say uh, 2,600 credits. Wow. I'm going to say That's valid. 500 credits. Uh, Tim is correct. It's 32,880 credits. Chris. So uh, you're the closest by 100. Okay. Uh, your next I mean, item whatever. is... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Your next item is a big cookie in Paper Mario, and the denomination is coins. Oh, uh, stuff is really cheap Three. in Paper Mario because the, inter- the integers are so small. Three. I'm going to go 30, 30 coins. No, Three. I feel like it's it's lower than that. I feel like it's got to be, right? It's got to be lower than that. You can feel however you want. That's my answer. Brandon said three. Frank said 30. Tim, where are you at? I'm going to say five. Tim is closest. It's 10 coins. God, I should have said, I was going to say 10. But you got it. It's okay. You You don't have to be perfect. I guess I got it. It would have been fun to be exact. Because Paper Mario, like I say, the integers are very, the numbers are very small. They're very clean uh, in Paper Mario. Your next item for bid is a hyper cartridge from Mega Man Legends. The denomination is Zenny. Oh, Oh, that's a 350 Zenny. Hyper cartridge. I'm going to say it's 200. Did you know that Zenny is actually uh, just like an old word for uh, good Japanese money? Did you know that? And that's cool. It's just like an old, uh, it it is. Um, What were the answers everybody else gave? Brandon said 200. Frank said 350. Oh, it's much more than that. It's like 10,000, something like that. 100,000, something like that. Frank is closest without going over. It's 3,000 Zenny. No. Our next item is a popularity bl- bracelet from Yakuza 3. The denomination is yen. How much is a popularity bracelet? Um, 100,000. Well, it's free. You just got to get popular. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I definitely picked one up uh, from a, uh, a locker is, is how much I paid for it. I paid I paid one locker key. Is that an answer? Uh, <laughs> that is not an answer. You got to give me yen. I know. Um, popularity bracelet. I'm going to say... 30,000. Tim? Uh, I don't know. 20,000. 25,000. Tim is closest without going over. It's 29,800. God, I was so close. Right. Yeah, you were, but you busted. busted. That's the 29,800 is a very uh, realistic sounding Japanese price. So, All right. Your next item is a Cape of Darkness from Suikoden, and the denomination is Potch. More like a case of a cape yeah. of darkness. Cape of darkness. Okay. Um, that's uh, I think that's forty two, forty two hundred. 
I'm going to say it is uh, 350 potch. 150 potch. Tim? That sounds really low. I'm going to um, say five. Uh, no, I'm going to say I'm gonna say 1,000 potch. 1,000 potch. Tim? Oh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a lot more than that. Uh, I don't know. 5,000? Uh, Tim, you're closest without going over. It's 8,500 potch. Fair enough. God, I haven't played any of those silly coding games in a long time. Yeah, me. Uh, it's been a while. I don't know. Uh, but you're doing well. Uh, your next item yes. is a human brain, the day one price in Pathologic 2. And the denomination is money. Oh, Pathologic money. Day one price would be more than day two. Price. 120. 120 money? 120 money. I'm going to say it's 420 money. I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, are you <laughs> defaulting? I don't know. Wait, what were, what were the guesses? Frank said 120. Brandon said 420. Uh. I think it's somewhere between those. Let me say uh, 240. Uh, Brandon is the closest. It's 450 money. Nice. Oh, interesting. All right. Your last one is fentanyl from Shin Megami Tensei 4, and the denomination is maca. Oh, what is the maca trading for these days? Cops seem to be getting it for free all the time. Drives them crazy and makes them shoot people. Um, fentanyl in maca. I'm going to say... 300. 300 maca. I'm going to go 400 maca. 400 maca. We're just going to go way up. We're going to just say 1,000. Uh, Tim is correct, or he's the closest. It's 4,700 maca. Tim, uh, I don't believe you it. have won the lightning round. Congratulations. Or does that mean I get to have a lightning round in my own episode? Is that what I that think means? that's what happens, yes. You get, to ta- you get to add a lightning round to your episode. Oh, wow, that's not bad. This is if you get another point, you might be able to add a recommendation segment. Uh, This is the point where you all get to recommend the things you are interested in or plug the things you've been working on. Uh, We do it every week and we love to do it. And we're always prepared. That's right. I'm I'm actually prepared this time. First of all, I I have to uh, make a correction. I said I said that Akira from was from Street Fighter EX last episode, but uh, she's from rival schools. That's my mistake. Thank you. Dumb. Uh, I got a couple things to recommend. There's a there's a Genesis game in Kickstarter right now called Jewel of the Five Sons. I'm not necessarily recommending that you kickstart it, but I recommend that you take a look at it because it is the it's the most honest Kickstarter that I have seen from a person who clearly has not looked at other Kickstarters where they're just like, maybe I'll do this. I'm not sure. Or Check out the the pixel art upgrade I made from the the Amstrad version. I think it's good enough. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> guy's like, name is a uh, guy's name is Constantinos Katsouris. Yep. Good name. Yeah, he's uh, he's from Greece. That's for sure. He's never yeah, backed any other Kickstarter. <laughs> he's just his he's just... his goal is two thousand six hundred sixty one U.S. dollars. I'm sure that's a rounder number in another currency. He did a s- 60 day campaign and it's halfway over and he's made it to three thousand like three thousand dollars but it's he's also one of those kinds of people who is like now here's a 20 page lore document if you would like to download that anyway it's just, that rules uh, it's fun i like looking at it give it a look check out jewel of the five sons i got the video going yeah it's a genesis turn-based rpg it's a roguelike with some tactically type things yeah. um yeah his description is a roguelike turn-based rpg yeah, there you go yeah, um, game looks pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's, it's looks all right. It's definitely got a certain uh, Mega Drive Euro game look to it. I'm mostly am recommending uh, it for the just for the Kickstarter itself, and and the uh, it's very different from how a person would make one most for the most part these days. Uh, my next recommendation yeah. is uh, if if any of you out there enjoyed 
my recommendation of listening to old Live 105 broadcasts. Uh, I will now recommend uh, to to look up Cameron Paul 106 KMEL Power Mix. Check that out on YouTube or SoundCloud or, or MixCloud or whatever. These are going to be um, hip-hop and freestyle, mostly freestyle. And uh, Cameron Paul is like one of the one of the early mixologists who would seamlessly mix um, songs with similar BPM together and make it sound real good. And it's a it's an enjoyable time. There's a bunch of them around that you can that you can listen to. And if you if you enjoy hearing new songs with a vintage flavor or new to you songs rather with a vintage flavor, then definitely worth a shot. So that's that's what I got. Oh, and uh, of course, Wishlist, Hyper Gun Sport, and Demon School. <laughs> Yeah, the end. Goodbye. I don't know if we've talked about uh, the Yakuza series, but uh, I'm having a pretty good time <laughs> with that. The games are pretty tasty. Yeah, Frank, have you played? Have you played all of them? Oh God, no! I played Zero and Like a Dragon. Oh wow, neat. Oh, so Kiwami must be real fun, huh? Uh, it's like it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? It just just opened. Up. Oh, so you did you got past like the funeral? Uh, I'm about to attend the funeral. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, dude. Uh, that I, I like that game, man. I like it too. I just I know I know what to expect from the others. Yes. So I, yeah. I know it's I know it's gonna get good. I'm just not. Except know know that it is it is a breezier, streamlined quote unquote like it's it's quote unquote uh, shorter than uh, your typical Yakuza game because right. it was released as like a remake to help newcomers to the series better understand the lore before they move on to the full sequels that were coming out but it's still a hilariously generous large video game with tons of cool stuff in it and i love the majima system in that game dude oh yeah where majima just shows up to fight you yeah it's good i'm pretty happy that that's coming that's the only um like random encounter thing that's ever been good in the yakuza series (laughs) is the majima system um uh frank i i wish that it were possible for you to just jump straight to the to the dance section the haruka dance section of um yakuza Yakuza 5 5? yeah i think you'll enjoy getting there maybe i i i I mean i don't know there's there's some other stuff in the series of games that's pretty good no it's it's just like if i were to recommend one additional segment of the game to frank i would recommend that segment um, because it's it's different and shows something else that the series could do but uh, you got to play through the rest first. I'm just, it's its obviously I want to play through all of these and did do so, but I can imagine Frank burning out um, well before that. And that's why I wish he could just jump Um I don't, if I take my time, like I've been doing, I'm not going to burn out. All right. You they're know, good one, sipping one, games, One a man. year. Yeah. Okay. Well, when. They're, uh, they're, they're good sipping games. Yeah. Well, and, and I think this might be, I, I think I might always play it on the whole. Uh, so I started playing it because I'm like, I need a Christmas game. Oh, yeah. And nothing's more Christmas yeah. than Sega. I, I think I think I googled. I think I googled like Yakuza Christmas game, and and the uh, early results on page one seem to indicate that uh, Kiwami was uh, had Christmas themes in it. So I was like, great, yes, done. It's it's a wintry game of sorts. Yeah. Kiwami's good. If you want to have a man, I don't want to like give you a, a. This is this is the most like fetishistic obsessive comment to make here but what better place uh, i know that you have previously enjoyed the undub of azetai zetsume toshi 2 slash raw danger mm. did you know there is an undub of yakuza for the playstation 2 which is uh the the pre-make of the game that you're playing right now which i played when it came out i just completely forgot uh, yeah well <laughs> well if you were interested in uh 
the, we're using the phrase pre-make now. Um, <laughs> it's uh, if you were interested in, if, if we can say decast, we can say pre-make. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. consistent. Oh man, yeah. So if you were interested in the pre-make of Yakuza Kiwami, you could try just you know light up that Yakuza one a little bit. Yeah. I actually think the English voices in that game are great. Early insert credit contributor Christopher Woodard was really trying to get me to play the Yakuza series specifically, and I, I didn't want to. This is in the oh, yeah. in the PS2 era. In the day. And, and he actually burned for me an undub of the first Yakuza in, in like, I don't know, 2006 or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But people know how to hack PS2 games in 2006? That might be a mess. Apparently they did. Wow. I still have it. I, I don't know about no ancient undubs, but I know the undub out now is uh, is fully legit. The it might be new subtitles as opposed to like dub titles. People took a took took umbrage at the the overuse of profanity in the original Yakuza uh, localization, though it was very funny. Yakuza slang is in Japanese ultra 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 repetitious. It's full sentences being flung around as though they were single four letter words. Um, it's quite remarkable. So I feel like that localization was, was very good at giving the texture of the Japanese, you know, my, my translator's opinion with my translator hat on there. Well, the other day, I, the other week I suggested to Frank that he watched Jojo. If you're, ch- I'm not saying they're the same thing at all, but, uh, if you're, if you're able to play a whole Yakuza video game, you know, you might, you might like Jojo. I don't know. Yeah. You'd like Jojo. I don't know. I don't know. You might like it. I recently enjoyed watching the rest of uh, Stone Ocean on Netflix. Uh, oh, I haven't gotten to those last episodes yet. I really like Stone Ocean, uh, the manga, the the downswing of Stone Ocean, the manga, uh, which I first read back in you know, the early, early, way early 2000s. The downswing of that is some of the most graphic, designedly confounding art uh, I've ever seen in in captured in manga on the pages of a manga magazine. So I, I do not envy the task uh, set before David Production, the makers of the anime. You know, it's JoJo is one of those things tossed around like for many years. It was tossed around as you know, like like the works of Cormac McCarthy, like like the the book Blood Meridian, tossed around as being unadaptable, like Watchmen for the. Uh, comics fans in the audience it was just a, a cliche to call it naked uh, lunch naked lunch it was it, unadaptable yeah yeah it was it was, the, 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 it was tossed around as a cliche to answer uh, to call it uh, to call it unfilmable uh, unadaptable right because jojo has um, so much of the grand tradition of 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 manga as a thing on paper uh as as a work of graphic design in addition to uh you know storytelling and and comic art there's manga as manga and it's filtered through weird uh multiple prism style lenses of of western comics uh jojo is is kind of this uh this interesting gateway both to manga and to comics in general and to you know to to itself more uh, first and foremost and the 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 downswing of stone ocean the reason i'm bringing this up is they just released the last a uh, chunk of episodes of Stone Ocean on Netflix. That's the last twelve episodes. Like there, there are so many moments in JoJo leading up to that part where it's like, I, where where Araki, the author, clearly spent an afternoon at the library, right, and uh, wrote a bunch of facts down. It's like I can figure out how to put this in there. JoJo is an excellent vehicle for itself for having the fights and battles come up where Araki just gets to express uh, 
whatever he's just vibing with at the moment, uh, at the, that crystallized moment that he was, uh, he was writing that particular sequence of pages in the manga. There is a greater overarching story that connects between all the arcs, uh, though really it's about Araki's day-to-day when you look at it. And you see that nowhere more clearly than in the, the, the closing chapters of Stone Ocean. And I mean, I just, I must have read Stone Ocean a dozen times in my life. Uh, I really like Stone Ocean a lot. Uh, I love the look of Stone Ocean. You get it in a Tonkobone format and you read the you know, they print it the correct size. The, the the art is just very, very crispy and beautiful. Uh, Araki is peerless, and I think it's him at his absolute prime. And somehow they did it. They, they've adapted all of of normal JoJo now. Uh, we're getting to Steel Ball Run and JoJo Leon and JoJo Land, which are the next. He just announced that there's a new JoJo coming. Oh, yeah, that was today. Yeah, yeah. So I, I having just finished all of JoJo myself, um, the, the, the TV series, I've read all of the manga many times. I would just extend a full, wholehearted recommendation to anybody who hasn't seen or engaged with JoJo. Um, it, is, it is peak modern art. It is yeah. perfectly watchable. It is at times hilarious. It contains moments of action movie triumph and uh, a lot of real head scratchers uh, in terms of the the mechanics of the situations it sets up uh, on occasion. There's there's a lot of stuff where it's like, what's going on here? There will be uh, uh, the, the much parodied Dragon Ball episodes where people are just charging up their supers for the entire episode. Uh, are just done in overdrive format in JoJo where whole whole 20-page segments of the manga will take place within a single two seconds, right? And Araki, as time went on, started having more and more fun with the volume of words being spoken by a character within that two seconds. So often you will see a man lying on the ground, crushed under rubble, peeking out, watching two people struggle in an intense psychic martial arts battle, and he's narrating to himself and the reader, hundreds of words of <laughs> he's doing this, and then he decided that he could do this, and he's also yeah. doing this. And Anaki is having so much fun with just piling stuff in there. As it goes on, it just builds to these massive crescendos, and I just do think the end of Stone Ocean is is just a wonderful collection of payoffs, and I love it. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I hope they make the anime of Steel Ball Run, which is my my actual favorite part. Of JoJo, uh, Steel Ball Run is phenomenal. You heard it here. Anyway, that's my big recommendation for you can watch all the quote unquote normal JoJo. It's kind of hard to tell what normal JoJo is. They did it uh, after almost 40 years. They they adapted all of JoJo and now they're getting into the JoJo for freaks. But, um, you know, it's still JoJo. JoJo's JoJo. It's always going to be. I would watch it if I hadn't watched it. It's all on Netflix. Netflix owns it now. Hopefully they won't delete it and delist it for uh, tax write-off purposes. Um, uh, that's all I have to say. And I do think Frank would enjoy it. So thank, thank you. you. Uh, watch, watch Jojo. I do. <laughs> well timed. Yeah. A so little supplemental you, recommendation is if you like the poses of Jojo, check out the fashion illustrator, Antonio Lopez. Uh, and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll have good also check out, uh, if you like the poses of Jojo, check out fashion illustrator, Araki Hirohiko, author of Jojo. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, who, uh, has lots of, uh, his eye for fashion grows more and more incredible as the series goes on. And, uh, 
his eye for poses as well. Another thing that made JoJo considered for a long time unadaptable is those poses. What's going on with all those poses? The makers of the anime said what's didn't even ask what's going on with those poses. They just knew what to do. And it is uh, absolutely beautiful again and again. I have some recommendations. Interesting. I've been watching Blacklist on Netflix because oh, like, you're not James to Spader. Stuff. Yeah, with what James is Spader. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I wonder what James Spader's been up to. Oh, right. He made 200 episodes of this like network drama. Every mom's favorite show. Apparently. Yeah. If you want to hang out with James Spader, that show is a whole lot of James Spader shows up and then you wait for him to show up again. And they don't make you wait very long because he's the whole show. Uh, And he does what he does. And it's great. And before you know it, you're 20 episodes in. It's a good, stupid time. Uh, I would also like to recommend that if you're listening to this show in some format where you can subscribe to or review podcasts, especially in iTunes, that helps us at this point. uh, You do that for us in that way to keep the algorithms in our favor. You can also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you can become a patron to submit your own topics, listen to monthly bonus episodes, and get other exclusive goodies. You can also join our community at forums.insertcredit.com or look for Insert Credit on YouTube as expertly curated by our editor. Speaking of that editor, this show is edited by Esper Quinn with original music by Kurt Feldman. I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And they chose a pope they didn't know, and now they are beginning to understand who I am. We did it. Yeah, man, I love the young Pope, dude. TYP. This Pope ain't getting any younger. You ever watch the new Pope? No, I'm keeping it. I'm saving it. I got it in my pocket, you know, for when I feel like... I feel like the young Pope is like the most JoJo-esque live action thing I've ever seen. I can see that, yeah. If I had to pick one thing that's the most JoJo-esque thing, uh, man, TYP is good. It's very good. I'm I'm glad you turned me on to that. It's a good thing to smoke. The young smoke.